Hi, and welcome to episode number 140 of the weekly Google Cloud Platform podcast. I'm Mark Mandel, and I'm here, as always, with my colleague, Melanie Warwick. Hey, Melanie, how are you doing? Hey, Mark, I'm doing good. I've survived next. How about you? Yeah, it's Monday after next. Still getting over it. It was a big event with lots of people, but it was pretty amazing. Lots of recordings. We also recorded 17 interviews during next. Oh, my. Yeah, 17. That's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. But it was good. Yes. It was. And we will be sharing a lot of these interviews over the next couple of months, one yep. of those actually being this week. Yes. So who are we talking to you today? We are talking to Maya Ketarovsky, who is here to talk to us about container security today. And we're doing this interview specifically because next week will be DEF CON, uh, the big brouhaha over in Vegas for all the security stuff. DEF CON, yep. Black Hat, B-Sides, Diana Initiative. There's all kinds of stuff that's happening. And that's all week next week. And so we thought, let's kick off prior to that with a little bit of information around container security. Yeah, great interview. But before we do that, as always, we have our cool things of the week, and we're going to end with the question of the week. And this week's question, Maya also helped give this to us, which is, how do I set up SSL termination on Kubernetes with Let's Encrypt? Yep. So we'll be looking into that. But Mark, what are our cool things of the week? Oh my God, there are so many cool things of the week we just had next. <laughs> I know. We talked about all these last week, right? Yeah, we did. So rather than trying to go through all of them, I'm just going to link to the blog post that is, what a week, 105 announcements from Google Cloud Next 18. That's a lot of announcements. That's a lot of announcements. It's a good article. It goes through customers, partnerships, Chrome stuff, AI and machine learning on Google Cloud, infrastructure services, application development, data analytics analytics services, databases, IoT, security, G Suite stuff, some social impact stuff as well. And finally, the 105th announcement being that next 2019 will be April 9th through 11th next year. So we have less than a year to get ready for that one. <laughs> yeah. So basically, by the time you read this article and go through all the new announcements, it'll be ready for you to go to next next year. Exactly. Yeah, seems reasonable. We also have links to the keynotes, keynote fireside chats and spotlight sessions. These are all videos that are on YouTube. We also have the links to all sessions for Google Cloud Next 18, again, also on YouTube. So you can check out any of the videos about the different sessions that took place. There were several sessions. I said, I think, Mark, you said at one point it was almost around 500. It's something like that. I should actually go confirm it. But yeah, I think it's about that many. And then we also wanted to highlight real quick, just from all the people we talked to, I know two things in particular are coming to mind that I feel like I heard people very excited about. Those were GKE on-prem yep. and Edge TPUs. So not to say there aren't many, many announcements to be excited about, just those were ones that commonly bubbled up to the top when we were talking to different participants. And actually, I'll make a highlight as well. If you go into the keynotes, keynote fireside chats and spotlight sessions playlist, there's some really great five minute synopses of the uh, keynotes themselves. So if you don't want to sit around and watch the whole thing for an hour, they are great. So you can do that. If you just want a quick summarization, there are some really great little short videos in there that you can just have a watch at. Agreed. So Mark, I know we talked about this last week, but I wanted to ask, you've been at Next now three years in a row. Yeah, before it was called Next. Before yes. it was called Next. How did this one compare to the last two? It was definitely a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was okay. definitely a lot bigger. Okay, that's an easy answer. And it's interesting. Like I feel like when I first started, we were doing events for Google Cloud Platform at the time, you know, before it was called Next. I think it was called GCP Live. I actually have to go back and look. I mean, we were it was small. It was really small, a few hundred people. I remember teaching code labs in a basement. Like that was sort of the first thing we did, you know, way back, you know, about three years ago. And then from there we went to, you know, the peer building where we were several thousand people to Moscone last year. So it was about 10,000 this year, you know, another hundred percent, right? 20,000, 25,000 people. 
it's kind of amazing and kind of impressive the amount of investment that's gone into uh, Google Cloud as a whole uh, over the last few years. But yeah, I think this year was great. I had an absolute blast. It was great to see everyone. The only thing that with it being so big is that I didn't get to spend as much time with as many people as I wanted to. But yeah. still, it was it was pretty. It was an amazing event. Like yeah, really amazing. It was very difficult to take in all the things that were happening, that's for sure. Yeah. But it was wonderful what we were able to experience. One other cool thing of the week that I want to mention that's not Next related that we didn't mention last week. We have a habit of not necessarily announcing certain things on the actual show itself and just talking about it on Twitter. But we have a new website. Yes. We have an update to our website. (laughs) We did this two weeks ago. (laughs) But it's like when we hit the million mark and we forgot to mention it on the actual show. That's true. So we did an update to the website. If you haven't seen it, it's all beautiful new look. Please check it out. Let us know what you think and if anything's broken. Yes. (laughs) So, So we can make sure it's fixed. But yeah, new website. We soft launched it. That's why we didn't tell anybody. That's why. Soft launch. I it was know. a soft launch. I know. Yeah, it was a soft launch. This is the hard launch. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Anyway. <laughs> we were why testing don't... it all throughout next, which seemed like a good idea. Exactly. Why don't we go chat with Maya? I think that's a great idea. So we're super excited to have Maya Kacharovsky uh, joining us today. Product manager, container security, Google Cloud joining us here on the next show floor. Thank Maya, you so much for you having me. Yeah. Thank you great. so much for joining. So great to have you here. Yes, we wanted to definitely talk to you because we've got a, well, we're going to be releasing this the week after next, and we've got a reason for that, which is the fact that there's DEF CON coming up the week after that, which we'll get into a little bit more later on. Wait, so is this the week after next or the week after next? The week after next. Okay, cool. Can you imagine being how security people are so stressed out right now? They're like, I have to be at next, then I get to work for like five days, and then I have to go to Vegas. It's actually funny that that's a stressful. Anyways, yeah. well, so Maya, I guess let's start out with who are you? What do you do? Yeah, I'm a product manager on the security team of Google Cloud. Um, I've been at Google for almost three years. Uh, Prior to that, I was a management consultant, did some work in security for large healthcare, financial insurance companies. And at Google, I was the PM for Cloud KMS until about uh, nine months ago, and I transitioned over to container security. Very cool. Okay. What's container security? Yeah, that's that's a great question. <laughs> um, let's start with like, do we assume people know what a container is? Is that that's a fair a assumption? Point. Let's go. Let's go there. Well, yeah, let, <laughs> high level. Question. Yeah. Why don't we yeah. start? Why don't we start there? Okay. So uh, a container is a simpler way of packaging some of your software up to make it more portable and do better bin packing on your compute. So you, rather than having a VM, which is somebody else's or your hardware, and you just kind of care about the OS up, a container you care about even less than that. You just package the application with binaries and libraries into a container and then you can run it on a minimal OS that can be kind of arbitrary on anywhere in your environment. So the idea being you can move this thing around really easily, but it's kind of hard to manage these things at scale, which is what Google learned you know, more than a decade ago internally. And so internally we created Borg a long, long time ago, and externally created Kubernetes about four years ago now. And Kubernetes is a way for you to, it's a container orchestration platform. It's a way for you to manage containers in terms of right-sizing them, scaling things up and down, load balancing, et cetera, um, groups of containers. So container security. Yes, yes. yes. I'll, I'll make a small segue. Episode 46, we did an episode on Borg with John Wilkes. So if you want to learn more about Borg, you can go back and hear about history of Kubernetes. Anyway, please continue. Awesome. <laughs> um, so we're thinking about container security at Google in three main pillars or three main areas. The first one is what we'll call infrastructure security. So making sure that your containers are secure to develop. So this is around configurations you're putting into Kubernetes or Kubernetes engine, things like secret management, networking, identity and access management, et cetera, all these things that you need to have in your infrastructure for this thing to work. The second area is what we're calling software supply chain, or making sure that your containers are secure for, your container images are secure to build and deploy. 
So how do you know that your images are free of vulnerabilities? How do you know what the dependencies that you have are, that it came out of your build pipeline, et cetera, before you deploy them? And then the third area is what we're calling container runtime security, or making sure that your containers are secure at runtime. And this is around making sure it's traditional security operations. So if somebody attacks your container, if you have an attempted container escape, et cetera, how do you identify that, you know, mitigate it? Can you do forensics after the fact to see what actually happened in your environment and then track that? So what is different about securing containers compared to VMs? Sure. I mean, at, at a high level, not a lot in the sense that, like, I, I think security people are very worried about this model. We're like, oh, I don't know what these containers are. I don't know what Kubernetes is. I don't want to have to learn all this new stuff. It's not that bad. Like, if you had a network firewall before, you still need a network firewall. If you had an IDS IPS before, you still need one. Still need identity management. Still need secret management. All these things are the same. The pluggability points are a little bit different. I think some of the main differences, though, are one is this minimal OS that I mentioned earlier. Compared to a VM, you can have a much smaller a host operating system than you do on a virtual machine. And what that means is if you're doing it right, that thing is tiny and you patch that you know, super regularly. It shouldn't have any vulnerabilities that somebody can exploit. And that actually makes your overall system safer because you have a smaller surface of attack. Another major difference between containers and VMs uh, is I think one of the, the talking points against containers is people were saying, hey, I don't have as good isolation with containers, right? I don't have this hypervisor, which I have with VMs, that provides strong isolation, security isolation between my, my systems. And that was sort of true until Google released Gvisor, and we have some other projects in the open source like Kata containers and Nabla containers that provide container level or actually pod level in Kubernetes isolation. So one of the, the counter arguments against using containers from a security point of view is now one of its strengths, that you can use the same you know, strong isolation at a container level and still have the bin packing and the benefits of using containers that you, that you were aiming for in the first place. Does that mean that we should be running all our containers under something like Gvisor, or is it fine what we're doing now? That's a great question. I think Gvisor is meant to be a most-purpose sandbox, not an all-purpose sandbox. So Gvisor filters about 150 comments calls and prevents you know, a process from, from running things that shouldn't run. That's not going to be perfect for every single application you're going to want to run in your environment. That being said, we use Gvisor internally at Google to run some of our services. And I'll also kind of answer not a question that you asked. You okay. said, you know, should I run all my containers in Gvisor? I'll say, should you run all your things on containers? <gasps> what a great question mark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not necessarily, but that's certainly Google's model, right? So the reasons we can do things like live migration is because we have Borg, right? right? So we have these whole packages of things, including your containers, which run inside our containers, and we can move them around easily and patch the underlying infrastructure without taking you down. And that's, that's the beauty of using something like containers. Actually, on a side note, I'm curious, what would you not run in containers? I think anything that has specific hardware dependencies, I would probably not attempt to, to do right now at least. So if you have some very, very custom stuff on bare metal, on-prem, like, it's okay. Like, not the, not the first workload I go for. And then the other end of the spectrum is the, the functions, right? Something that's super simple that it's too heavyweight to spin up a container, don't, don't bother. So actually, I was also going to follow up and say, is it also possibly a question of what trust you have in the software that you're running? Like, if you're like, this is my software, I know where it came from, and I know what it's doing, so I'm like, that's okay. But if I don't know where the software is coming from, then maybe that's something I put inside Gvisor or something like that. Would that be fair? That's a that's a great point. So every we think of about software as and the level of trust that it has as a continuum, right? Nothing is fully trusted. Nothing is fully untrusted. This is very security person messaging. Uh, but if you you know more trusted software might be software that you build, might be software that your developers have signed, etc. That's from your internally. And yeah, you're probably okay running one developer software from your company next to another developer software, and that's fine. Like you know, short of some insider risk. On the other end of the spectrum, you're running some third-party arbitrary code, some plugin that you downloaded from GitHub that you don't really know what's in there, 
Um, we have some customers who are running uh, their customers provided da data in containers. And in that particular case, I would be worried, not so much about like a container escape, but like around you know, one workload affecting another workload in terms of resource use. So actually, and I think you alluded to this before as well, are there tools that we can use for container security so that we know, like, hey, this came from our developers, or hey, this is the, actually the thing that I was meant to download when I downloaded it and there wasn't a problem in somewhere in between or stuff like that? Yeah, so, so typically when you're setting up your environment, you're going to have a container registry of some kind. You're going to have somewhere you put all your images. And uh, Google offers one. It's called Google Container Registry. We're great at naming. And uh, integrates with GKE. And the idea being you store all the stuff that you want there. You can you know, check things like, did this go through QA and testing, all of that before you deploy it. What we actually just announced at Next is binary authorization. So binary authorization is a way for you to enforce that the container images that you deploy are those that you, um, you authorize, that came out of your pipeline. So the main use case we're going for here is I have a build pipeline. I'm using CircleCI, CloudBees, Jenkins, whatever it happens to be. And I give that thing a private signing key. It signs that it did, in fact, build that image. And then I have an admission controller that enforces does that signature exist on the image before I deploy it? And if the signature does not exist, it will not be deployed. Um, so that's called binary authorization. Some other cases you can imagine around that are things like, hey, I don't want to deploy images that have known vulnerabilities. I only want to deploy images that came out of my uh, particular repository, et cetera. So you can think about that type of policy management in that space. You were saying before about GVisor. Where would that play a role in the way this is built out? Yeah, I think GVisor is a great tool for any time you have untrusted workloads that you want to try to bin pack closer together. And then if you also have even trusted workloads that you think that are still going to work fine, like to me that seems like a, like a no regret move. Why wouldn't you want to do a little bit more work and, and get a lot more security? Out of the three areas that you mentioned in terms of security, one question that comes to mind is like, what's the hardest to be able to, to, to secure for containers? I think we're seeing people kind of shift from left to right, and that you know the first one being infrastructure, then software supply chain, then container runtime. A lot of developers are still focused right now on how do I make Kubernetes secure, and what are the best practices I follow there. And where we're sort of failing as a community is that it's so hard for a developer to understand what they need to do. What I mean by that is, I mentioned I started working on container security about nine months ago. I thought it would take me like a month or two to figure out what was going on in the space, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Then I've got container security figured out; it'll be fine. And it probably took me four or five months to sort of get a good handle on what was going on. And I was like, oh man, I'm getting old and tired and like, why is this taking me so long? I'm not as good as I used to be. This is terrible. <laughs> and then, no imposter syndrome going on there at all. That's not common at Google at all. What are you talking about? Uh, and then I went to KubeCon in Copenhagen. This was in this past May. Uh, and I, like, at that point in time, I had a pretty good understanding of what was going on. And so many people came up to me and said, how do I set up a network policy? You know, what is our back and should I use that? And these are, to me, these are like the basics in container security and community security. And I, it kind of hit me. It was like, oh my God, this is way too complicated for anyone. Right. <laughs> and so the, the challenge I think we have right now is not so much that, sure, there are areas that the tooling doesn't even exist yet, or we haven't figured out how to solve the problem yet. But the stuff that we have built is pretty hard to use for an average developer, or the defaults that are there aren't great for the average developer yet. So there's a lot being done in Kubernetes and the open source to improve that. But if you're starting off from scratch, I'm kind of Google hardening guy, and you'll find lots of different people's opinions as to what you should do. So what are your opinions <laughs> on best practices, both probably on the container side and on the Kubernetes side as well? On the Kubernetes side, there's a piece of documentation on the GKE site, g.co slash GKE slash hardening, which is our hardening guide. 
and it goes through what is hardened for you already in GKE and what else you need to do. Some really basics are, hey, you should probably use RBAC. If you're using Kubernetes engine, use IAM at the project level, and then use RBAC at the cluster and namespace level. Set up a network policy so pods can talk to each other by default within the cluster. That's great if you're developing. That's terrible if you're you know, having super sensitive workload running next to each other in the same cluster. And then from there, just some things like you know, setting a seccomp profile is a, great, is a great choice. You can implement that using pod security policy. It provides a pretty strong security default for your containers. Can you explain what a seccomp profile is? Because I have vaguely an idea. Yeah, a seccomp profile is a seccomp is secure computing mode. And it puts your container sort of like in a one-way secure state, and I'm you know, doing air quotes here, where it can run a certain set of syscalls. And if it tries to run uh, things like sig return and exit, if it tries to run any other set of syscalls, then it will be terminated. So it's preventing your container from potentially running something that would be unsafe. Um, there's a pretty good default out there. It's the Docker sec comp profile. Blocks about 150 uncommon or um, rarely used syscalls. So, and that should probably work for your application, but test it out, obviously, before you deploy it at scale. And I know you've mentioned RBAC before, but I don't know what RBAC is. Sorry. Um, RBAC. RBAC is role-based access control. It's a way of thinking about uh, policy management. It's a, it's a generic term for thinking about policy management. In Kubernetes specifically, it's how you bind the access to certain resources, like pods or deployments or namespaces, to individual users. And so you would create uh, a role that has a set of permissions on a particular resource. For example, I can read this pod. And then you would bind that between the role to a user. The idea then you can change the bindings. So if somebody quits their job tomorrow, rather than removing individual permissions, you just remove the role, and then they've, they've lost those permissions. That's great. Do you have any tools that you'd recommend for people to use to automate security in this space? I see, I see a lot of people using um, some sort of templating language. So Terraform is pretty popular, or Helm. So that's typically the, the choice that people go with. Is there any sort of automated tools for like just making sure there are no vulnerabilities in my containers? Is that a thing? Yeah, so you're probably going to look at vulnerabilities in your images, because uh, what's pretty cool about containers versus, versus VMs and things is that rather than changing single lines of code, you actually change that line of code, but then you redeploy the whole container. So you have this enforcement point, which is your, your deployment point, where you see everything that ends up in your infrastructure. So actually, what that means is you get this very powerful way of patching your infra, which is that if you just patch your images on a regular basis, you can kind of passively deploy the patch. As containers die, it'll grab the latest image and get redeployed, which is amazing, right? Which is, again, think back of like how Google does you know, live migration with Borg, and like this is why we can do things like that. It's genius. So specifically, how do you patch your images, and how do you know what's, what the vulnerabilities are? Um, Google just announced Google Container Registry Vulnerability Scanning, and that looks at the packages in your images and the images themselves, maybe that's a better way of putting it, that you have stored in GCR. Uh, we'll scan those automatically for known vulnerabilities from the CVE database. And we'll also rescan when new vulnerabilities are found or announced. Then you can patch those as needed and, and deploy them to your environment. Out of curiosity, how does that work? <laughs> like, because you've got this artifact that's an image, and then, like, how does it know how to get? inside? I don't know. Like It seems crazy, but interesting. You decompose the different layers of the image. So you get like all the packages that are inside them. And you take a hash of the packages, and you compare that against whether those are known to have that vulnerability or not. Yeah. So that's, so that's not scanning. Notably, that's not scanning at the code level. That's not scanning things like, hey, did you leave keys in code? Or did you have a misconfiguration, et cetera? Um, there's a ton of third-party solutions in that space that do provide that functionality, if that's something you want to do. So what's a software supply chain? 
Oh, yeah, the software supply chain is that is that middle piece that we were talking about earlier. So how we go from developing your code to having an image to making sure your image is free of vulnerabilities to you know checking that it meets all your requirements when it's deployed and then to, to seeing that that doesn't change over time. So that's, you know, a big piece of that is that vulnerability scanning piece. Another big piece of that is the binary authorization. Basically, the announcements that we've had around um, Next, around container security, have been in that software supply chain area. I know we've already talked a little bit about resources, but is there any additional places people can go if they wanted to know more, to get involved, to do development in container security? Sure, there's a couple of uh, links that will put somewhere on the site. They include cloud.google.com slash containers slash security. It's kind of an overview of how we think about containers at Google, including a lot of the items that I've talked about today. Um, and then I mentioned specifically the hardening guide for GKE is another really great spot if you're using GKE and want to have further security than what, you, than what we already provide you by default. Nice. Well, as I mentioned early in this podcast, that we are going to be releasing this the week before the big brouhaha in Vegas with uh, Black Hat and DEF CON and B-Sides. Can you tell the audience a little bit about these conferences that are coming up and what this whole thing looks like? So this is uh, comically sometimes called like security summer camp. Nice. So it's all the security <laughs> nerds get together in Vegas and it's really hot and we, no we don't really sleep. I know August is not <laughs> the best time necessarily to go. Yeah, I was there last year, and I, I don't even know. I think I got sick because you're going outside from, like, 40 degrees to, like, inside. It's, like, 50. Sorry, I speak Celsius. 15 degrees. I do the same. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just insane. Uh, so DEF CON and all that stuff. So the, there's a Black Hat conference, which is a big security conference, a lot of vendor shows, a lot of, you know, research announcements, et cetera. Same time as Black Hat, there's B-Sides Las Vegas, which is a alternative security conference. And then at the end of the week, there's DEF CON, which is probably one of the more infamous security conferences. A lot of um, live hacking, you know, zero days that are dropped as part of presentations, that kind of stuff. For those who might not know, what is zero days? A zero day is a uh, newly discovered vulnerability, which is unpatched. A great example would be like Spectre and Meltdown. When those were, were announced, uh, well, actually, maybe they're not such a great example because Google had patched them when they were announced. Uh, Heartbleed, Heartbleed would be a great example, where when it was announced, um, it was not yet patched in the public domain, and so was immediately exploitable by, by an attacker. Yeah, we did a nice episode on Spectre and Meltdown. I talked a little bit about why the security decisions are made in terms of you know when to share information and trying to, to patch it at the appropriate times. But that's great to understand. And so how many years now has it been for you going to these events? Um, it'll be my fourth DEF CON. Yeah, and what are you most excited about? Uh, the Crypto Privacy Village. So I've been quite involved with that village for a while, and it's uh, I'm obviously an encryption nerd, and that's that's the entire village. It's like get a couple hundred people in a room together to talk what's about a, encryption. Yeah, I was gonna say, what's a village? So the main talk tracks at DefCon, which are in these giant convention halls, right? Thousands of people in the room, and even those, some of the best talks you end up lining up for and still can't get into. So villages are the smaller areas to have specific conversations on particular topics. So, for example, last year they had a voting machine hacking village where some researchers brought in on the order of I don't know, 20 or 30 voting machines and just basically said, go for it. We'll write up everything that you find and send them to some authorities and see if we can fix some of the problems that are here, uh, which is pretty cool. cool. There's a wall of sheep, which is all about like uh, packet capture. If you take your real phone with you to DEF CON and have it kind of open and connected to something that looks like it might be a legitimate Wi-Fi, somebody's probably just capturing everything that you're sending them and then displaying it on a giant screen for everybody else to see. Oh, that's great. So this is the hazing that happens. What, what sort of preparation so. do you take to go to DEF CON? Like, do you take your proper phone? 
Um, I do. I probably <laughs> should. Say it on a podcast. Um, than you do. <laughs> uh, I used I used to take a burner phone, and I think I got a little bit uh, complacent. Right. I, I do take a Chromebook. Chromebooks are great for this kind of scenario where it's like I need something that I can wipe if I have any concern whatsoever with it being compromised. Um, but nothing's ever happened to me at, at Black Hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not an invite. Um, well, any tips for anybody who is going for the first time or any of the people who, you know, maybe can't go but they want to learn more at a later date? Yeah, definitely go if it's something you're interested in. It's it's a very accessible conference. If you're having a bad time or someone's being mean to you, go find one of the goons. They wear these like red shirts and they will help you navigate the conference and, and take care of whatever issues going on. I would say go to some of the villages and find people who are like-minded and find things you're excited about, right? If you're new, like the Lockpick Village is a great place to just go hang out. There's a bunch of tables with locks you can pick. Sounds fun. <laughs> exactly. And all the big rooms, all those talks are recorded. So if you miss one of those, it's not really a big deal. The stuff that's in person is the stuff that you're going to really miss. Sounds about Fantastic. right for most conferences. <laughs> exactly. Well, great. I did want to mention uh, you have a series of blog posts on the Google Cloud Platform blog, too, about container security that are really great. We had a, a series of blog posts leading up to KubeCon in May. Seven blog posts just about container security. One on networking, one on image security, one on image signing, one on runtime security, and some of the partners that we announced in that space, one on isolation. There's so There's many blog lot. posts. <laughs> pretty good memory, yeah. though. Yeah, no, we'll have a link in the show notes. There's a bunch of stuff in there, so it's definitely worth checking out if you're interested in this stuff. Thank you, Maya, very much for coming and joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And have fun at DEF CON. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you again, Maya, for coming on the podcast and sharing with us about container security before next week's big security conference. Yeah, it was really great to have a chat and have your experience and have your knowledge come and join us. Agreed. Well, Mark, how do I set up SSL termination on Kubernetes with Let's Encrypt? So I'm going to defer to one of our teammates, Amit, who is a DPE who works on Google Cloud. He has a really great tutorial on GitHub for installing an open source project called Cert Manager to get HTTPS certificates from Let's Encrypt. If you're not familiar with Let's Encrypt, it's basically a free service that has programmatic APIs for getting TLS and SSL certs, which is pretty awesome. And it's free. Yes. Which is kind of amazing. It is worth noting, <laughs> I find this kind of amusing. I think a lot of people use Cert Manager, even though Cert Manager says, hey, maybe be careful about using this in production because we don't know if it's ready yet. But I know a lot of people that use it, which is kind of fun. So I give you that proviso as well. But the tutorial also links to things like Cloudflare and Backplane. Like if you want to actually pay for a service, it's going to provide SSL certs for you as well. So there's a few different options there. Yeah, Let's Encrypt is pretty great. It's a great place to get started and get playing with this stuff. So we'll link to that article in the show notes. Sounds good. Mark, you going to be anywhere anytime soon? So I don't know about soon. End of August, I'll be speaking at PAX Dev, talking about Agones, and uh, I'll be hanging out at PAX West afterwards with all my gaming friends. What about yourself? What are you up to? So on August 6th, I'm actually going to be speaking at the 2018 Nuclear Innovation Bootcamp at Berkeley. Oh, fancy. Yeah, that sounds fancy. Are you speaking about something in particular? AI. What else would I talk about? Fair enough. That sounds reasonable. Or machine learning. But yes, uh, <laughs> they asked me to come and speak to the students there. So that'll be fun. Awesome. All right, Melanie. Well, thank you so much for joining me for yet another week on the podcast. Thank you, Mark. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you all next week. Hi, and welcome to episode number 140 of the weekly Google Cloud Platform podcast. My dog is coming up here, and let me try that one more time.